0: Greetings this Lord's Day in the name of Jesus Christ, our God, and our Father. Amen? Amen. When we cry unto the Lord, He hears us, and He answers our prayers. As it says in 1 John 5, verses 14 and 15, it says, This is the confidence that we have in Him that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Not only does he hear us, according to 1 John 5, and if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have desired of him. That's a pretty amazing thing. And we're not here with Benny Hinn or with Rod Parsley or with the name it and claim it crew in the world. But folks, let me tell you what. If there's anybody on earth that can name it and claim it for real... The things that God wants for your life, the things that are according to his will, you indeed can actually pray for it, ask for it, and expect God to give it to you. If anybody in the world can do that, it is the children of God. Amen? Amen. That's what Psalm 107 is all about. And I just want to prepare you for a moment for Psalm 107 because Psalm 107... Is a shout down the house, kick over the pulpit, all black church with the black choir psalm. I'm just telling you right now, that's what it is. Now, I know that's not us, but I'm liable to get a little worked up. And by the time I'm done, you may think it's time to go home. Are you ready? Everybody say, then. And when I point to you, you're going to say, say then. Then. All right, oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, and everybody said, for his mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. He gathered them out of the lands from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way, and they found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. And then, Then. and then, Then. and then, Then. and then then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble and He delivered them out of their distress. When they were alone and had no place of rest, when they were hungry, when they were thirsty, when their soul fainted inside of them, then. then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble. Can you, can you start to feel it? Now I'm telling you, this is not contrived. This is what the psalm is about. Then they cried unto the Lord in their distress, and He delivered them. And He led them forth by the right way that they might go into a city of habitation oh that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works of the children of men for He satisfies the longing of the soul He fills the hungry soul with goodness such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death being bound in affliction and iron because they rebelled against the words of God and condemned the counsel of the Most High therefore He brought down their heart He brought down their heart with labor and they fell down And there was none to help, but then then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distress. He brought down their proud hearts with labor. They fell down. There was none to help them. then, Then what? Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distress. Then God did what? Everybody say it again. Then he brought them out of darkness in the shadow of death, and he broke their bands asunder. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. We're only in verse 15, guys. You guys got to get your spiritual praise endurance. You better get it worked up because I'm telling you, folks. We're going to be by the time we get to Psalm 150, we're going to be people that know how to praise God according to His word. For He hath broken the gates of brass, He hath cut the bars of iron asunder. Fools, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities, are afflicted. Their soul abhors all manner of meat, and they draw near to the gates of death. But then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and He saved them out of their distress. He sent His Word and He healed them. And He delivered them from their destruction. He sent His Word. He healed them. He delivered them from all of their destructions. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works. The children of men. Let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare His works with rejoicing. They that go down to the sea in ships and do business in great waters. These see the works of the Lord and His wonders in the deep. For He commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind, and He lifteth the wave thereof. They mount up to the heaven and they go down again to their depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. They reel to and fro. They stagger like drunken men. And they are at their wit's end. And then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble. And He bringeth them out of their distress. He maketh the storm to calm. So that the waves thereof are still. And they are glad because they are quiet. So He bringeth them unto their desired haven. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and His wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt Him in the congregation of the people and praise Him in the assembly of the elders. He turns the rivers into waters and the well springs into dry ground and fruitful land into barrenness for the wickedness of them that dwell therein. He turns the wilderness into standing water and dry ground into water springs. And there He makes the hungry that dwell there that they may prepare a city for habitation. That's what God does. They sow fields and plant vineyards which yield fruit of increase. He blesseth them so that they are multiplied greatly and suffers not their cattle to decrease. And again they are minished and brought low through oppression and affliction and sorrow. He pours contempt upon princes and He causes them to wander in the wilderness where there is no way. Yet He sets the poor on the high from affliction and He maketh His families like a flock. The righteousness, the righteous shall see it and rejoice, and all iniquity shall stop her mouth. Whoso is wise and will observe these things, that they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. Now, guys, if I wanted to just make that our whole day today, isn't that enough? That's what God, that's what God has given us in a psalm. Oh, that men would praise the Lord. Let us pray. Again and again, O Lord, week after week, day after day, Lord, our hearts wander from you. But Lord, like the faithful shepherd that brings the sheep back to the fold, you come to us again and again. Lord, you afflict us, you trouble us, you send us leanness of soul you do all kinds of things to us that lead us to come back lord because you love us that's what the good shepherd does he cares for the sheep he disciplines the sheep he leads them beside the still waters and lord today that's what you are doing for us lord all week we have been not loving our neighbor as ourselves. we've been not thinking of you we've been focused on our pleasures and our work and on our needs and what we need to get done and today Oh, Lord, let us be done with every bit of that. Lord, today as we gather into your presence, Lord, may we lift up your name. May we remember your goodness. May we remember what you do when we cry. Lord, you hear us. Oh, Lord, may we be a people that cry unto you because we know that you hear us. May we be a people that pour out our souls to you because we know that you hear us. Lord, we long to hear your voice today. Speak to us, change us, make us more like you. Forgive our sins, feed us from heaven. In Christ's name we pray. And all the church said, Amen. 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 Praise Father, Son, and And standing with me for just a few more moments. This, what I'm calling Psalm 6 is Cry unto the Lord. Everybody say, Cry unto, the Lord. Cry unto the Lord. My text is the whole Psalm, so I'm going to read it. It's not that long. Psalm 6 starting in verse 1 To the chief musician on Neginoth, upon Shimoneth, a psalm of David. O Lord, rebuke me not in thine anger, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are vexed. My soul is sore vexed. But thou, O Lord, how long? Return, O Lord, and deliver my soul. Save me for thy mercy's sake. For in death there is no remembrance of thee. And in the grave, who shall give thee thanks? I am weary with my groaning and... All the night I make my bed to swim. I water my couch with my tears. Mine eye is consumed because of grief. It waxeth old because of all mine enemies. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity, for the Lord hath heard the voice of my weeping. The Lord hath heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. And let all mine enemies be ashamed and sore vexed, and let them return and be ashamed suddenly let us pray lord god we so want to hear from you today and so we pray that i pray that you would speak through me lord i pray that the things that you have dealt with my heart about would be those things that uh, would speak to each and everyone who is here lord that your spirit would speak words to them that i'm not saying let this be the part of the service where you speak to us change us by your words In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Psalm 6 opens up with the phrase, to the chief musician. Everybody say, music is a gift from God. God. The birds sing and they make sweet sounds. The wind and the sea soothe and They never cease to praise the Lord, but as lovely as all these things are, the swishing of the grass of the prairie or the crackle of the colored leaves in the fall, as much as they are music to our ears, so to say, they are not music and melody. As uplifting as the cacophony of the sound of the life waking up in the forest, they are not the gift that harmony is. Music is melodic and harmonious, and it is a harmonious and melodic cry to God. To say, oh God, help me, is one thing. To say, oh God, help me, Lord, is another. To say something by yourself is one thing, but for a choir of people to say, cry out and shout, oh God, to thee, it's a whole other. Amen? Amen. Have you ever been in a crowd that is all singing the same thing over and over? They are singing to God their praise. There's something that happens in that that cannot happen when we merely speak words. God has given man music and he alone can dream it. He alone can write it and sing and participate in all of its glory. Among all God's earthly creatures, only man can praise Him with music and only man can cry unto the Lord in song. That's what the Psalms are for. Music is a wonderful gift from God. The Psalter, the book of Psalms, was given to us as I have told you over and over. He's given to us by God with 150 holy songs for us to sing, to make melodies to, to harmonize in perfect theology. Sometimes you may hear a song and wonder, you know, is is that really is that really what I should be singing? Anybody know any Christian songs like that? God's got a big, big house <laughs> where we can play football. <laughs> you ever hear that song? Yeah. <laughs> Lord build me just a cabin in the corner of glory lane in the shade of the tree of life so it will ever stand where I can just hear the angels sing and shake Jesus' hand now we're not real sure if that's good theology right (laughs) Lord build me just a cabin in the corner of glory land we're not real sure right maybe there's a cabin up there maybe that's okay to sing I don't know but Psalm 1, Psalm 2, Psalm 3 trust me what's in those uh, words of those songs, that's good theology. That's something you can sing. That's something you want to memorize. That's something you want to know. The Psalms are a right and righteous way to praise the Lord in song. I would stop short from saying we shouldn't sing any other song. Some people have come to that conclusion. And I, it's really not a, a, a far stretch. If we know we're singing right and rightly to the Lord in the 150 Psalms, why would we ever write? anything else to praise the Lord because we have 150 songs how many songs do we need anyway well the psalms themselves do help us with this by saying sing unto the Lord a," a new song I won't go into the exegetical explanation of that it doesn't necessarily mean that but there is something about the fact that songs come from God and he gives them to us The opening words of Psalm 6 remind us of this as they are written to the chief musician. You know, I remember when I first became Presbyterian and I decided I did not want to worship the worship music anymore. I remember kind of thinking back at our churches and I knew that their pattern was first you get a paid minister, but after you get that, the very next thing isn't another paid minister. It isn't anything else. It's what? it's a music guy and I remember thinking how shallow because you know when you once you become reformed you become very snobbish and very elite and very unemotional and you you know it's just something that happens to you it's not a good thing I can tell you that would be to God we had a chief musician folks I'm telling you we need it and God's giving us music he's I'm seeing it happen I've been praying for it and I've been watching it happen would be to God one day we would have a chief musician Here at Foundation Church, who would dedicate his or her life to the glory and the praise of God in music. Why why do you want this? Because that's what the Bible tells us to do. Worship the Lord. Praise Him on the cymbals and the high-sounding cymbals on the flutes and lyres and every instrument. Let everything that have breath praise the Lord. Sing unto the Lord. O ye people, clap unto God. Let the rivers clap and let them rejoice. Oh, yeah, let them do it. But God said they're doing it because if you don't do it, the rocks will cry out. Well, folks, I don't want any rocks crying out for me. I want to be a people who love to sing to God, who love to clap to God, who love to march to God, who love to shout to God. I want that. And you might go, well, we haven't been doing a lot of that. Well, we're going to do some more of it. And I think by the time we're at the end of the book of Psalms, our church may look a whole lot different. Wouldn't that be all right? Don't get scared. We're not bringing, you know, we're not putting a twenty-four channel mixer here so we can rock the flock. We're just not (laughs) going to do it. There will be no fog machines. There, There, there is this not going to happen. But would be to God there would be someone to give themselves to the writing, arranging, and planning, and leading of all of us. Into the holy worship of God. I'm in this for the long game. Been seeing Big Val. He's in there and he can hear. He can hear the music, guys. You might go, now, come on. A little stereotypical. I don't care. what You can call it whatever you want. He hears it and he goes in there and he can play what he hears. And I'm like, oh, mm. I'm starting to feel that. He's like, dad, I can, hear the, I can hear it in my head, dad. And he goes in there and he plays it. And I'm like, oh, have mercy. Folks, we want somebody that has a gift from God who has a desire. There's nothing wrong with that. That is a lovely, beautiful thing. The next phrase of Psalm 6 says, On Nagonoth. And we, we learned about this in another one. To, to a, a greater accent, the point that music is important, he says, not only do I want this this song that I've written to be given to the chief musician so we can sing it and so we can play it. But I want it to be played and sung on a particular instrument, a stringed instrument. This is inspired. This is part of the inspired word to the chief musician on Naganoff. Naganoff, like David's morning rest psalm, Psalm 4. That we talked about a few weeks ago, it was to be played in that, if you remember, and we had Brother Matthew up here playing the guitar and helping us remember what maybe what that might be for us. And so, a particular kind. See, God is all about excellence. There's something lovely and beauty about beautiful about you know a particular thing. I mentioned Sarah's harp. I love that. When you hear that sound, what does it do to you? It, it you don't hear a harp in everyday world, right? You might hear people do whatever, but you hear that and you just go, you know, and we think of people floating on clouds and all that stuff. But, it's, but it does something to you. When you hear, when you hear the piano, when, when I walked in, somebody was playing that like an organ. And I was like, whoa, I'm in church. Because see, when I grew up, that's what it was. People, as people would walk in, there was a, you know, and the organ was playing and we're like kind of, walking into the presence of the Lord, to the organ. That's what that meant for for me. But what this psalm does in the very next phrase, it says on Shemineth. And you might go, what in the world is Shemineth? Well, it's a Bible word. Right? We know what a megabyte is, but we don't know what a Shemineth is. We know what a gigabyte and a terabyte, and we know what memes are, but we don't know What a shemineth is. And I think that is a travesty. It is a picture of where we are today in the church world. Now, I'm not saying it's bad to know what a megabyte is for you computer people. But we don't know what a shemineth is. I I doubt anybody here could tell me what a shemineth is. But what it is, is it's more detailed. So God says, I want this to be music and I want it to be on a stringed instrument of some kind, but in addition to music of a string kind, I want the strings to be tuned a certain way. I want the notes to be at a certain octave or a level. And shimonith means to the very lowest notes that men can sing. Are you starting to go here with me, Steve? No, we're talking. I wish I had a really... I can't quite do it. So not only is it music, not only is it strings, but now it's deep tones and low notes. It's not a word that we use today, and so people are a little confused about it, but it basically does. It, it, the commentators literally say, quote, play this tune on the deepest notes that men can sing. Now, there's a lot of interesting things. God's Word, every, every letter, every root, every, everything and every word, that's the beautiful thing about God choosing Hebrew to give us the Psalms in. We get them in Hebrew, and Hebrew is such a rich uh, language. And one of the things that, that was interesting to me, well, we'll get to that in just a second, but But what I really believe here is that perhaps the depth of emotion contained in the song calls for deep, low tones. It may be that God wanted this to signify the deep groanings of despair. All you have to do is read Psalm 6 from beginning to ending, and what do you get? You get some deep groanings here. We have weeping, we have watering of the couch with tears, we have groanings. We have, oh God, I have swam upon my bed. What do we have here in the psalm? But we have depth. We have pain. We have groanings of exceeding grief. Moans and groans. Those of us who have experienced deep pain know these sounds. And, and yes, I'm going to go there because that's where the psalm goes. It is the sound of a heart at this very depth being poured out to God Some of you know the sounds of these groans. The sound of pain and of, of helplessness. Oh God. Sometimes you don't know what to say and you moan. Oh. oh, have mercy, Lord. Lord, I don't know what to do. Lord, I don't know where to go next. Lord, I don't know how to deal with what You're doing in me. Oh God, You have taken. Lord, we have lost. Lord, I'm aching in pain right now. That's what this psalm is doing. It's taking us there. We are to love God with all of our hearts and sometimes we get To where we never go there. We never give him all. We want to give God some. But we need to get to the bottom of our hearts. In the depths of our despair sometimes. Just to obey the scriptures. To give him all. God lovingly uses grief and despair. Does he he not, Brother Andy? Come on, Cusals. You guys have suffered in a way that we haven't. You might say, I haven't done that. I haven't. Oh, you need to. It's not a bad thing. Because God wants to go all the way in there. The scripture calls for all. We're to love God with. Everybody say oh, we're like, oh, no, 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 I I don't want to go. You know, there are people who don't get emotional in their relationships with people. They don't feel deeply. They don't let people in all the way in. Why? You're not going to hurt me. We're not going to go there. Right? Come on, you know the tendency. The tendency that when you have let someone in all the way, that what they did when they got in there was just, it wasn't good. They disappointed you. They let you down. They turned their back on you. They weren't a friend. They weren't loyal. And at the very moment they could, they left. I know some of you felt like that. It's rough. Do you know God? God wants all the way, all the way there. All the way, all that I don't want to belabor this too much, but I don't want to gloss it over either because God calls us in this psalm to this very place. And He calls us to this over and over and over in Scripture. He calls us to love Him completely, to feel deeply about it. It is in these deep waters that we will swim a little bit today. Have you known these groanings, these deep cries of the heart? Some of you may say, "No, I really don't." Do you long to? You can. You know, God cares. You know, when you blubber, when you cry, when you gr- God wants to hear that. I mean, when I find out that one of my children has been hurting over something and they haven't told me, I mean, Andy, how do you respond? Why haven't you told me, Derek? You're like, Wait, I want to know. I want to know what Sarah's thinking and how she's feeling. Right? You love her. That's what fathers do. They love their children. Oh, baby daddy didn't know. Why didn't you tell me? I didn't want to bother you or I didn't know what to say or I didn't want to share. But when they do, what's it, what does it feel like when someone shares something that deep and something that painful, something that serious? Beetle, you know you shared something with me like that. You know what it made me do? It made me feel real close to my daughter. She told me how she was feeling at a particular time in her life and, and how something affected that and changed that. I'm like, Heath, I didn't know. I didn't know. But I want to know because why? Why do I want to know? Because I, because I love. That's what God, He wants us to go. He wants us to go. I'm lonely. I'm, I'm, I'm suffering. I'm, I don't know what to do. I, I've got so much on me. And you know what we do? In the world we live in, what do we do when we feel these things? Rather than take them to God, some of us drink. I don't do that, but some people do. And, and they need to drink a little. And when they drink a little, then they can sort of loosen up. And Other people read books and, and watch movies. And, and when they watch the movies, they cry about what's going on in other people's lives. I'm not saying any of that is wrong, but if it's keeping you from crying out to God, I'm telling you, you should shut it off. The, 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 the fake despair in the fictional worlds where our, we live in the entertainment world that we do, I'm telling you, they are supplanting hearts that are turned to God. You get your cry out. It is a cathartic experience, folks. We need to cry. We were made to do that. We were made to emote and to feel deeply, and not just over what this author said or this musical score did as we, you know, watched two dragons flying together in the sky. Oh, how beautiful it was when the white dragon nuzzled the black dragon. When it comes to our love for God, our need for God, there is no need to have restraint. We, we, we practice restraint on a daily basis, you know. There are things that we feel. There are ways I feel about you I restrain myself from. Sometimes I want to hug Andy, and I, I know Andy only wants so much of my hug, you know. He doesn't want me to slobber on his neck, and, and he's like, hey, hey, whoa, 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 I got this. I'm good. I'm good. It's okay. I, I don't need Andy to love me with the whole of his heart. And I don't need to love Andy with all of my heart, okay? I just love you. <laughs> then we save that for our dog, like Ridley, right? Oh, we're such a good dog. mercy sakes. And we rub his head. Oh, yeah, and he oh, yeah. sometimes you don't want that from people, but with God, we don't need restraint. We don't need reserve. This is when we give without reserve or restraint. It is where we break the alabaster box. And we do not seek to control the flow of its oil. We do not seek to save its valuable oils, but we pour it out like David poured out that offering that was given to him of the water from the well of Bethlehem. It's so valuable that we don't even want to keep it. We just want to pour it out. This is where Psalm 6 is calling us today. It's calling us to go deep. Everybody say, go deep. deep. Everybody say, to give all. To save nothing. Save nothing. To, keep nothing from God. to keep nothing from God. Give it all. People of God, we need to go here. All of us. We need not to be all head and no heart. Or even if it's very little heart, it makes for an unsustainable existence. We need passion. We need depth of dedication. That's what we want. The word shemineth is a musical term which occurs three times in the Bible. The first, when King David transported the Ark of the Covenant from the house of Obed-Edom to the tabernacle. You remember that? It was not a time for restraint. The Philistines had had the Ark of God and it had been there, but it was coming back. And they didn't think about what they were doing and God smote the young man who touched the side of the Ark right? And so they're like, okay, we want to do it right. They went to the Word of God. They read the Word of God. And David said, whatever God wants from me, I'm going to do more. Yes, it's supposed to be carried on the backs of Levites. That's fine. Let's do that. But what we're going to do is we're going to stop every few paces. And we're going to shout. And we're going to pray. And we're going to praise. And we're going to offer sacrifices to God. I'm going to organize singers. And I'm going to organize a band. And I'm going to make special music. And we're going to sing. And we're going to lift up God. Said, and we're going to tune the instruments and we're going to write music and we're going to blend and we're going to harmonize. Folks, I'm telling you, David was saying layer upon layer upon layer, we're going to give it all to God. David organized several groups of Levite musicians to come along and sing. To the Lord to praise him during the procession they sang. They played harps, lyre, cymbals. And some of, some of them just cheered with all their might. I got this out of an uh, online Hebrew dictionary. I thought this was interesting. The men with harps had their instruments tuned to Al-Alamoth. Who knows what that was? While the people of the lyre had their instruments tuned to Hal shamerneth we don't know, right? But those of you that know music know there's ways to tune instruments. There's ways to take two things at one time and blend them together. You see, music gives us a picture of something so lovely. It gives us a picture of us. I'm, I'm not like Jeff Brownfield. And God goes, perfect. Because if everything were all a violin and everything were all melody, that's beautiful. But that's not quite so beautiful as something different, right? See, that's what God does. God hasn't called us all in the church to be like the Cusals or to be like the Robinets or the Brownfields or the Ratliffs. That's what we do. We go, we have found the very best way to be people is to be people like us and you should be like me. And God goes, oh, let me show you what I think about that. I make the Serengeti and I'll put a rhino next to a giraffe and go, go figure on that. <laughs> God doesn't like everything just to like. What He does with us is He makes us unique and special. When we learn about the gifts of the Spirit, not only do we have, some of us have the exact same gift, they go, but they have a different operation. They have a different manifestation. They have a different presentation. That's why God uses men. And He uses these different men and, and He brings them all together. That's why a choir is not a solo. It's something that a solo could never be. It is the voice of many waters. It's like what the voice of God is like. If you get into the Hebrew, it's, it, 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 the, the word al in both of these means tuned toward to or set to alamoth or shemineth. They're musical terms of some kind, but they denote very particular thing I love it that God was particular that he cared how it was tuned some of you when, I, when we get into doing music I think some of you will think I'm a little bit crazy we're going to have good music here we're going to have good music that makes people that are here go wow we're going to hear beautiful things in this church and, and, and we, we're, we're, we're starting to hear the beginnings of them but it's coming it's not wholly clear what the kind of musical term they really were, but they describe a, a, a tuning or a type of the instrument. It says here in this Hebrew dictionary, harpists and lyres appear to have played simultaneously. Now, what do you know, guys? If you have three instruments, what do you have to do, Sam, before you start playing? Can you just start playing or what do you got to do? You got to tune them. What is God teaching us about in harmony? He's teaching us that we can be different and we can be together. So God not only gives it as for us enjoyment and for praise, but he gives it as a lesson in our lives. That what God wants, what is a beautiful thing? It is how lovely it is for men to dwell together in unity. So, so Sam, when your instrument is tuned to this person's instrument, to this person's instrument, all of a sudden something lovely starts happening, and God says, That's what I want. I want my people to become a harmonious sound. I want them to get along. I want them to love each other. They don't have to be just alike. They don't have to sound just alike. We don't have to all go, well, this is what I think about uh, organic this, and this is what I think about Kirby vacuum cleaners, and, and this is what I think about uh, blah, 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 and... And I think that you should give birth in only in a pool of warm water. Oh, I think it should be a cold water, or I think it should be, you know, on a basketball, or whatever it is. Whatever. I know they don't use basketball, but I, I thought that'd be funny. We have a tendency to, 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 to act like Christianity is a display of the exact same thing. It's not. That's what the devil wants. He doesn't want to see you harmonize. because see, if you're different, guess what you'll do? You're harmonized. Everyone wants. Can I want to be? No, no, no. There isn't. There isn't the, the way that you do. It's going to be different. This occurs twice in the Bible, in Psalm six and Psalms twelve. This shimonith. And in Psalm 6, there's no instrument at all. So, so we this is what leads us to believe it's the tonal quality here because you you know there's no instrument to tune. It's you. You've got to tune yourself. It's from, it's called the Abram Publications Hebrew Bible. It's interesting. If you're ever looking up stuff, it's a good it's a good tool. Now, one of the fun and interesting facts about Sheminith that's worth pointing out is that it's not only used as a musical term, but it's used in other parts of the Bible, and it means more than, or it means fat. Like, in our, in our language, when something means fat, it just means fat, right? Or if it means more than, it just means more than. But in Hebrew, it's kind of neat. So you know what it is? Uh, and I know, you've been, I know you work on stuff sometimes, Steve, but I bet you don't know this. So the word here means the number eight. And you go, oh, no, Mark's going into numerology. And what's funny, in the Abram uh, dictionary, he goes, goes, please stay away from all the silly people that try to lead you into goofy numerology things in the Bible. But this one's not goofy. It's like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to learn, right? And so I'm reading about it. And this word shemineth, that means fat, comes from the number eight, because God says the perfect number, and the number of completion is seven. So what's one more? It's eight, And so when the number eight comes out, what they're saying is, make it fat. Give it a little bit more. Right? And so there's a picture here, even in the very word, that reminds them of the complete picture of God and the perfection of God. But they said, just when you got it just right, just when you get just enough in the cup, more. We see plenty of this in the Bible, right? The land that flowed with... Milk and honey, that's where it comes from. The fat land. The fat land that overflowed with milk and honey. Here in our psalm, this is another reason to see that it is about the depth of it. The psalm was sung when needed. What was needed was an overflowing. What was needed was a depth. You'll find that you get an overflowing when you pour out all that you have. And I'll say that again because... When I just said it, I was just thinking about, wow, that's a pretty profound thing to say. If you want to get more than you need, you'll get it when you pour out all that you have. Could someone write that one down? It's written down right here. Give and it shall be. Press down, shaken together, and what? And running over. You want to have more than you need, give away all that you have. The Bible talks about us being filled with the Spirit. And what I love about being filled with the Spirit is it doesn't say, be filled up with the Spirit until you're full. What's it say? You are filled until you are what? You are... The word word, to be filled with the Spirit means to be filled to the point of Overflowing. We don't just get enough for ourselves, but we become rivers of living water and it comes out and pours out upon us. The Bible says that what was in us comes out and it flows out to the world to be healing for the world. Isn't God good? He doesn't just give us, Benita, enough for ourselves. Wouldn't that be no fun? Could you imagine if you just had enough for you? But what God says is, I love you so much, I'm going to give you the gift of giving. I'm going to give you more than enough. That's all in just the roots of these. words. In this great? We're not, even, we're not even in the part that's mentioned in most people's Bible. We're not even there, and we're already here. The next phrase and it is, this is another of David's Psalms. He was like our Lord, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. If you've been this in your life, you are in good company. So, with all these things in mind, let's go to the Psalm. So, everybody say on Naganoth. tuned way deep. Sheminith. Can you hear it? Can you hear the depth of it? Here we have a stringed instrument. I couldn't think of a stringed instrument any more deep than an upright bass, right? Now, it wasn't probably that. I don't think they had that. But you can hear, can you hear the deep vibrations? Can you feel them? Oh Lord, rebuke me not in thine anger neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure have mercy upon me O Lord for I am weak O Lord heal me for my bones are vexed my soul is sore vexed but thou Lord how long isn't that what we feel sometimes Lord we know but how long And then maybe God gives us something new as we go into verse four. We hear the harmony. Different, but yet the same, right? It's more. Like what was emotive and depth and and sadness is now like you could almost hear in the plaintive sound of the violin as it harmonizes. And we're not, we're not grand musicians. I don't know how to write these things, but this is what I heard in my head a little bit of this and these girls. Return, O Lord, and deliver my soul. Save me for Thy mercy's sake. For in death there is no remembrance of Thee in the grave who shall give Thee thanks. And then he goes back to the lonely, deep sounds without the harmony. And he said, I am weary with my groaning, and all night make I my bed to swim. I water my couch with my tears. My eye is consumed because of grief. It waxes all because of mine enemies. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity, for the Lord hath heard the voice. Of my weeping, and then the harmony comes in again as it ends. Sometimes we're so tired in our weeping and our groaning when we finally feel that God has come. There's almost a sadness in it, too a happiness in remembering the difficulties and the suffering. But I love what David says He said, The Lord hath heard my supplication, and the Lord will receive my prayer. Let all my enemies be ashamed and sore vexed. Let them return and be ashamed suddenly. Thank you, girls. One day I believe we'll be able to make a song as it comes out of our hearts. That will reflect what God's word is teaching. That's what we want. We not only want the words to match, we want the emotion to match. We want the sound to match. And I really believe God is prepping us, and He's preparing us. These girls, I called them on what Thursday? I mean, guys, can we say praise God? Praise God. Thank you girls for putting in so much hard work. Thank you, parents, for allowing them to participate. Thank you so much. <coughs> guys, what, what do we do this? Is this a stunt? No, that's what God's Word is telling us. Tune on a deep, stringed instrument. If we want to understand, God's Word is not one-dimensional. It's not about how many times the Word whatever occurs in the Old Testament or whatever. What God has for us is a depth of emotion. Amen? O Lord, rebuke me not in Thine anger, neither chasten me in Thy hot displeasure. David knew he had done something wrong on this day. He knew that he deserved God's anger. How many of you have been there? Say, I've been there. We often know when we're in trouble with God and when we can expect to be dealt with by God, sin separates us from God and others. It brings guilt and shame into the blissful paradise that is the relationship without sin. Our response to sin and our punishment for it should be not anger, but what? But repentance and contrition and this is what David David who was a man after God's own heart it's what he did some of us get mad at God folks there's never a time to be angry with God he loves you he cares for you and in the most difficult hours that he has brought upon you they are brought there for you they're there to make you Abby make you what it is God is making you to be I'm glad God hasn't left me alone to myself to my sin, amen? Amen. Verse two, have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am weak. Folks, I'm telling you right now, if our prayers don't start in our weakness and our humility, God resists the, he gives grace to the humble. It's not wrong to ask God to let up. Lord, I've had all I can take. Lord, please don't be mad mad at me. Lord, I I don't think I can take it anymore. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am weak. I, 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 I'm running out of strength. I think I'm at the end of me. I don't really know what to do. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are vexed, he says in verse 2. The punishment, O Lord, is very hard. I understand I'm guilty and I deserve it. I'm feeling the pain of the discipline, but Lord, please have mercy. Hebrews Hebrews 12.11 says, what David knew in the end, right? And what we all know, that punishment produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Some of us get angry that our children are so foolish they make us whip them over and over and over again. I'm like, why do you do this? Why? Do you think Dad has any desire at all to do this? to you? (laughs) And then I wag my head, what is wrong with them? And God goes, what's wrong with you? Heath was asking me earlier, is it okay to do this? And I'm like, no, it's not okay to do that. Don't do that. God doesn't do that to us, right? We're stupid, just like our kids are. We're foolish. We keep doing wrong. But when we get disciplined and we're in the middle of it, we want out of it. And God says, no, you're not getting out of it. You're just going to feel it right now and it's going to hurt. But it produces a harvest of righteousness, it says, Hebrews 12.11, for those who have been trained by it. Hebrews 12.8 says, The Father loves whom He chastens. It is evidence that we belong to our Heavenly Father. Listen to this whole thing. He says, You've forgotten the exhortation which speaks unto you as children. And he's quoting from Proverbs 3. My son, despite the chastening of the Lord, neither be faint when thou art rebuked of Him. Now this is Hebrews quoting Proverbs. And then he does more. For whom the Lord loves, he chastened scourges every son whom he received. If you endure the chastening, God deals with you as sons. For what son is he whom the father doesn't chasten? Some of you, you don't like to be disciplined. Some of you kids. The Bible says, the day your daddy doesn't discipline you anymore is a day you need to be afraid of. Because it means your daddy doesn't care about you. We want to be friends with our kids. But let me tell you what, good dads are friends with their kids after they're their father. And if your kids don't like you at all, but they listen to you and obey you, you might still be a good dad even if they don't like you. But we are so sinful, we like it. We like it when our kids like us. That's how bad off we are. We want them to like us. We want them to think we're cool. We want them to think that, that we enjoy them and, that, and that's, what they, that's what we want. We like it. We take pleasure in it. You should take pleasure in the fact that God has given you a job to do with your children and you should do it knowing what it will produce in them regardless if you like it or they like it. If you be without chastisement, whereof are you partakers? Then you are bastards and you are not sons. That's pretty heavy language, right? You wouldn't even want your kids to use it. It's in the Bible. Furthermore, we have fathers of our flesh which have corrected us and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, many dads just want to whip you so you don't bug them and so you don't drive them crazy and so their house isn't messed up and their barn's not destroyed and all their tools aren't lost. That's why we beat our kids half the time. He said, but God did not do it For that reason, He did it for our benefit. You know, that's why God disciplines me. That's why He disciplines you. It says in verse 10 that we might be partakers in His holiness. How many of you want to be partakers in the holiness of God? God has brought some harsh judgment and pain on you for your holiness. Now, no chastening for the present seems to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward... Everybody say, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them that are exercised thereby. David is crying out in the middle of a disciplined situation where God is wounding him. He's hurting him. He's disciplining him. And he's crying out and he understands it. Oh, Lord, please be. See, this is what we should do. When we're in trouble, not, why is this going on? I can't take this. I mean, I've been a good person. I mean, all that I've done for God, and this is what He does for me. No, folks, nothing comes in our life that isn't brought to our life by the hand of God for us. All things, everybody say all things. All things things work together for good. It's the Lord who takes, It's, it's Him. Here's what he prays. He, he asks God, and you can do this in your prayer sometimes when you're having a rough time. How long? It's only been one whack. Got two more to go. Oh, I don't think I can take another one. It's coming. Where? Oh, Lord, I can't do another one. Then, so I, I, I just want to jump up and run from the room like some of our kids want to do. How long? Return, O oh Lord, deliver my soul. Save me for thy mercy's sake. For in death there is no remembrance of thee in the grave. Who shall give thee thanks? This is David going, Don't kill me! Lord, could you stop short of killing me? Because if you kill me, I won't be around to sing in praise. And you might go, He shouldn't talk like that. Well, he did. That's what he said. There's no theology here that when we're dead, we don't remember God anymore. That's, that's not what it's saying. Okay? This is David going... Lord, could you stop short of killing me, please? I want to live. He's, what's, he crying, what's he going? He's saying, have mercy, Lord. I'm weary with my groaning and all the night I make my bed to swim. I water my couch with my tears. What is he talking about? Some of us need to learn that the reason tribulation comes upon us is so we will go to our couch and water it with our tears. How many of you have done that? I thank God for the years I had in the church growing up. They made it real easy. They talked soothing words and sang sad songs until we were crying. And then we came up to the altar and cried for three hours. I've made fun of that. I've made fun of it because half the time we would get up and not do anything different. But I can tell you what, those weren't times that were funny for me. I really did cry unto the Lord. I could use a little bit more of that. It might be why we're not so passionate about serving God. We haven't cried out to Him. We haven't poured out and God says, okay, I want all of you. You keep saying, you want to serve me with all of your heart. You keep saying that. I guess I'm going to have to send you tribulation and difficulty for you to do that. Folks, He gets more. And I told, I told my kids that. I'm like, this, this psalm is rough. The next verse he said, my eye is consumed because of grief. How many of you are crying and you just can't see? You feel like you've aged 20 years and you're weeping and you're crying. He says this, he says, "Uh, it's getting old. My eyes are getting old because I'm just like wearing out. I can't take it anymore. That's what David is saying. I've cried till I can't cry anymore. I feel like an old person. You know, you've cried until your face is a wreck. You know, you look in the mirror and you're like, my God, I've aged 20 years. He's talking about a depth of emotion and passion being poured out to God that we don't do. But God's inviting us there. Sometimes we need to take a little bit of time, sometimes we need to get alone with God and we need to get it out. And I know that that's real counter-cultural in some senses, but I'm telling you, this, we're in Psalm 6. You know what you're going to find over and over and over and over and over in the next hundred and psalms? You're going to find a whole lot of this. You go, oh, Mark, I'm worn out. Yeah? We need to be. I'm weary with my groaning all the night. I make my bed to swim. I water my couch with my tears. Mine eye is consumed because of grief. It waxes old because of mine enemies. Depart from me, all you that work iniquity, for the Lord has heard the voice of my weeping. He gets there after that. That's why I read for you the story of Asa. Could you imagine Can you imagine coming and you think you're bad and you think you've got an army and you've got a few hundred thousand men and you crest the ridge and you see one million soldiers, hundreds of chariots of war and you know that God has commanded you to drive them out of the land, and you know that you're going to go down in that valley, and you know they have twice as many men, and they look scary, and they look strong, but God has called you to fight. If you hear that story, and it just sounds like a little Bible story to you, you're missing a whole lot in the story of Asa and the million man march. God's calling me to go down there and do what? I mean, you think you were scared in the jail in Montupiq? right? Well, you know, later Steve's like, nothing actually happened. It was really no big deal. I mean, whatever, you know, but, but in the middle, what were you feeling? Terrible. You're terrified. I've been terrified in Myanmar more than one time thinking, eh. <laughs> this is it. What are you going to get me? I'm going to be, I'm going to be like Adoniram Judson. I'm going to be locked up in a prison somewhere and I'll find out what a loser I am. I'm so cushy and so whatever. Um, Could you imagine, Paul, a million men down there is like, all right, you're going to go down there and you're going to fight them. There's not a person in here that has even a 1% inkling of what that would be like. Hand to hand combat. We're not talking like, you know, video game, you know, across the room with scopes or whatever. We're talking hand to hand with a sword, a spear running down toward other men who want to kill you. And so what does he do? He's wrung out. Folks, remember when I talked about Jesus sweating, as it were, great drops of blood? They said the soldiers that would go into battle, knowing that they're probably going to die, that they would begin to sweat blood. Why? Huh, it's a real thing. They're going to die or be in the middle of, you know, swords swinging, spears flying. You know, I mean, it's not, it, it's not a Kung Fu movie. It's It's real. So if you read the Bible over and over, you find that they get in this place all the time. What happens in the book of Judges every time? We're going over this up on the pulpit. What happens So every time? They're being vexed. They're being treated bad. They're being horrible. And then they cry unto the Lord, and the Lord hears them, and He sends them a deliverer, and they get delivered, right? But when does it happen? When does God come? When does He send a deliverer, Corinne? When they cry. What do we got to do before we cry? Something tells me that the children of Israel didn't need to be taken over by king after king after king and treated like trash again and again and again if they had just learned to cry unto the Lord every day. And I'm telling you, when the people of God learn to cry unto the Lord, to depend on Him, to believe in Him, to trust Him every day, we won't need the trials that we need right now. Depart from me, all you that work iniquity. And I love it. I love this. This is, this is where the psalm turns. For the Lord has heard the voice of my weeping. I had a big cousin. And my big cousin was a tough guy. He was a fighter, Steve. But I didn't realize really what kind of a fighter he was until he moved to our area and he went to my school. And we were at a football game and some big kid took my hot dog, (laughs) it's really rough stuff, right? And pushed me and pushed me down and kind of hurt me. And I went to the right place or the wrong place, Andy. I don't know whichever you want to call it, but I remember I was crying. I didn't have my hot dog like and my cousin goes what? I mean that was it. What? And all of a sudden it was like his eyes got this big and he just he I had told him the guy and he he literally launched his body through the air, jumped on the guy and beat the guy into like into the gravel. I remember the gravel. I remember going that that probably hurts, you know. And he's like bam 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 bam, you know, and I'm like wow. Wow. Why? He had heard the voice of my crying and he was going to be my big cousin and nobody was going to push me around. David is making the transition right here. The Lord hath heard my supplication. He shall hear my prayer. And in verse 10, let all my enemies know about it. Let me tell you right now, I've cried unto the Lord. He's heard my cry. Let my enemies be made well aware of it now. Right? Right? You think anybody was taking my hot dog after that? I was like, I went around going, Ugh. I mean, you didn't have to hit him 15 times. I mean, you just, one would have been good, but like, like, that did it. No more, no one stole my hot dog ever again. It was great. Let all my enemies be ashamed and sore vexed, and let them return and be ashamed suddenly. God has heard my prayer. Folks, let us be a people that call to our God. Amen? Let us be a people that know that when we deserve it, God will bring it when our punishment is here. And oftentimes our punishment are our enemies. Vengeance against our enemies isn't ours. We don't need to go and run and jump and whack them upside the head. We have a God. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And when He sends people to bring us pain and difficulty, oftentimes we get angry with them. It's like you kids getting angry with mom and dad when you get disciplined. No. We're the ones God has sent to vex you. This is God whipping you through me. How many of us want to cry out to God and have Him hear us? I do. How many of us say, you know what? Maybe there's more of my heart that I need to give to God. Come on. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm leading you there. It may, take a, it may take two years. I'm going to lead you there. We're going to be a people who call unto God, not only in this building, but at our homes and in our prayer closets, at our bedsides, and we're going to call on Him. We're going to call on Him because He hears us, because He loves us. And when we suffer and when we go through difficulty, we're not going to be angry with God. We're not going to be angry at those that bring suffering upon us. We're going to call unto God because it's God who can hear us. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Lord, You hear us. Lord, as we come to the table here in just a minute, we remember that the whole world groaned The whole world was saying where is the Messiah? Sin and death is so ugly. It's so horrible every time we see someone we love die. It's so horrible when we see sickness and affliction come. Oh Lord, how long? And Lord, what You sent wasn't just merely uh, uh, an easy uh, remedy. It wasn't just a medicine, but it was a man. And this perfect, beautiful, lovely man he became acquainted with the griefs and sorrows that we were suffering and they became his own and Lord you laid upon him our sins so that our prayer would be answered so that our groanings so that we might be healed Lord as we come today to the table remembering the broken bread Remembering the wine poured out, we remember that that was the answer to the prayer of the whole world, groaning, vexed, and in pain. But you have healed us, O Lord, today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.